This is the Watershed Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community of Heart of White Ministries, located near the sandy beaches of Lake Michigan in the city of Holland. We gather on Sunday mornings to study the Bible and learn what it teaches. Join us and discover the scriptures for yourself. Well, thank you for the privilege of getting to come back and be with you again. This is truly my second church home. Absolutely, I'm delighted every time I get asked to be here. So thank you for this honor and privilege again. Well, here we are, the season of Lent. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, as I've been sitting and, and reflecting on how great is my need and, and reflecting on what's going on in my life and the the mess in this world, I'm just overwhelmed with, number one, how much the old nature sticks to us. You know, no matter how much we want to be more like Jesus, no matter how much we try to get rid of those old temptations, to make wise choices, to be obedient, the sin just clings. And it just seems sometimes hopeless that I'm ever going to to move beyond where I am now to be more the person I long to be. And as I look at my life situation sometimes, and I'm sure you do too, it just seems so overwhelming. Things seem to pile up. And as you look at the world and you see what a hot mess everything is, it's like, we really need some grace and mercy here. Where do you find some grace and mercy? Because that's what we need. Well, I have got the perfect answer for that. And it's found in our text for today, which is found in Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 14 through 16. And so the Lord says to us, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So where do we go to find grace and mercy? Right square into the presence of God. And what Zach said was so, I love that song, where it says, it's easy to find. He's not, we don't have to run after it. It's just plain there. And so uh, as we look at our text, I want to ask a bunch of, a number of questions from our text and, and see what they answer. So if we go on this journey in search of grace and mercy, What is the foundation of our search? Well, the foundation is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And and our text begins with that beautiful little word, therefore. And I know you've all heard it before, but when you see the word therefore, you ask yourself, what is it therefore? Well, the therefore refers to the chapters that have gone right before this, those first three chapters, that talk about the supremacy and the superiority of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He is supreme to any angels. He is supreme and superior to Moses. He is the great high priest. He's better than any high priest who's ever gone before. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is 
He went to the cross, he died, he rose again, and he is now seated in heaven at the right hand of God, and he is ruling there with power and might and compassion and mercy and justice and grace. And therefore, God says to you and I, here's what he wants us to do. We're supposed to hold firmly to our faith. But sometimes it's really hard to hold firmly to your faith when your life crashes down around you and people you love hurt you and you lose your job and you wonder, is there going to be hope? You just seem to lose hope. And yes, yes, we can have hope. We can find what we need. But how can we be sure? How can we be sure we will find what we need? Well, our text actually gives us two kind of reasons. The first one, as we ask ourselves, what, what, uh, how can we be sure that we'll find what we need, is that we have a high priest who understands. He's able to empathize with our weaknesses. Now, whenever you have a situation where you need empathy, you need to go to somebody who understands. I remember there was a woman in my church who lost her husband before I did. And she would constantly talk about her husband. And I remember thinking, you know, why do you keep bringing him up? I, had, I didn't understand. But now that I'm a widow, I get it. I get it. You're, you, as a, someone, when you lose somebody you love, you don't want people to forget they lived. And you love talking about them. You love hearing their name. I've developed an empathy and understanding. And when I'm struggling with my weight, which I always am, I don't talk to my little size three friends. When we go out for lunch and they go, I'll have the side salad with no dressing, please. First, I want to smack them in the name of Jesus. But, and then they take that side salad and they just poke those leaves around forever. Well, I'm scarfing my bacon cheeseburger in my mouth. And I want to say, give me them lettuce leaves. I'll put them right on my burger. It's okay. You know, they don't understand. We need to go, we want to go to somebody who gets it. Well, Jesus Christ gets it. You know, I don't know what you're, you're having to deal with in your life, but I know if you're going through some kind of a deep sorrow or grief or loss, maybe a death of somebody you love, maybe a loss of a marriage, maybe a loss of friendship, maybe a job, whatever deep loss that you've got, Jesus understands grief. It tells us in Luke chapter and John chapter 11 that he stood outside Lazarus's tomb and he wept. He had lost his friend. He gets it. It tells us a um, triumphal entry, which we'll be looking at in just a few weeks. As he looks down over uh, Jerusalem, he weeps for the hardness of their heart. And if you've ever had a child turn their back on the church and walk away, Jesus gets that. He knows what it's like to love someone so much, and yet they refuse the truth. He understands. And at Gethsemane, when he takes his three best friends away to pray with him all night, and I love this vulnerability about Jesus. He says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I mean, he was about as vulnerable as he could get. He's going, I don't know if in my humanity, I don't, I don't know if I can go on. I mean, if he were only human, I, at that point, that statement would say to me, you're kind of suicidal here. But he, 
he shared his deep, deep grief and his sorrow. He understands whatever sorrow and grief you are going through. And that is such a comfort. That is mercy. Maybe you've had to deal with rejection. Rejection of co-workers, rejection of family, rejection of friends. I found that to be a different kind of grief. An almost harder emotion to try to handle. After my husband passed, all of, all of the friends that we used to have that I thought would be there forever and ever, they have all walked out of my life. That rejection of them for me was so hard to handle. I felt so alone. I felt abandoned. In addition to being rejected, it, rejection devalues you. It makes you feel worthless. In fact, it bothered me so much, I ended up going to counseling. And not only was I dealing with the loss of a husband, but I was dealing with the loss of these friendships and that re rejection. Well, Jesus gets rejection. He was rejected by one of his t 12 best friends who used 30, uh, chose 30 pieces of silver over the life of his rabbi. It says in, in Mark uh, 14 that when they arrested Jesus, there's a sad verse in there. It says, and everyone deserted him and fled. All of his 12 disciples all, and all of the other disciples who followed him, they all deserted him and they fled. And he walked that road alone. At the trial with Pilate, and he's standing there and he's looking out at all of these people. And I'm certain in the crowd there were people who he fed people whose children he held on his lap. And Pilate says, well, what do you want me to do with this Jesus? And Jesus hears, crucify him. And he's rejected by the very people he's been ministering to and loving and the very people he came to die. He gets it. On the cross, he was mocked. He was shunned. He was left alone to die. And the worst thing that, that had to be for Jesus, even more than the physical pain, was when he had to hang there alone because he was carrying my sin and he was carrying your sin and his father who is holy turned his back on his son. Jesus gets rejection. He understands and he sympathizes. Maybe you have to deal with physical pain. And every day you wake up and you hurt or someone you love has Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or some kind of other debilitating disease. You've heard words like cancer and pulmonary fibrosis and, and diagnoses that do not end well. And you think, I cannot deal with this. Well, Jesus Christ understands that. He's walked that road. He was spit on. He was slapped. He was hit on the head punched in the head, hit with a stick. He was scourged. And it, that was more than a whipping. I don't know if you, anybody's ever explained that to you. But when, when they were scourged, it was their bodies were put over a stump and they had chains to hold them there. And then the whip, instead of just being a whip, had some flanges on the end. And at the end of each one was like a stone or some other very sharp object. 
And that person who was doing the scourging would slap it across the back and then drag it across their skin, and it would, it would rip away skin and then muscle, and it, it, was, it was the most excruciating thing. Jesus knows pain. He knows what it's like to have nails pounded through a nerve that goes right here and through his feet. He knows pain, and he understands. Whatever you've been through, Jesus Christ gets it. And his example of how he handled it is so, so powerful to us because he chose. He chose the way of obedience. He chose to, be, to go where the Father asked him to go, and he wants us to follow in obedience as well, to be humble, to be submitted, and to walk where God asks us to go. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 6, um, 5 and 6, that if we humble ourselves, if we humble ourselves to receive whatever it is before us, in due time, God will lift us up, just like Jesus. He, he humbled himself, he experienced the pain, but in the end, God raised him from the dead, and now he is sitting in glory. And that's our hope as well, as we go through this time of, of excruciating self-examination and dealing with terrible things. His response was keep a proper perspective. Hebrews 12 um, one and two tell us that we are to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. And you know why he did it? It says because so that we would not lose heart. He did it for us. He gets it. He understands what it means to have our hearts just crushed. And he understands. And he, so if we keep our eyes on him, he will give us the strength and the hope we need. And his in his choice, his, his response was also to continue to find joy and to persevere, even in the midst of all the pain. And we can learn from that as well. Romans chapter 5 says that we, um, our, count, we, uh, our sorrows, we see them as pure joy because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope will not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. So even in the midst of the worst of the worst of the worst, God, if we choose to find, there is, choose to look for it, there is joy. And I'm sure those of you who've gone through some terrible things, when you've chosen to stay focused on the cross, when you've chose, chosen to be obedient, you come into that place of God's presence, and there you find joy, and you find grace, and you find mercy. So, number one. Number two, how can we be sure we'll find what we need? Because Jesus was sinless and was able to be the atoning sacrifice, the true sacrificial lamb. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, every single way. Because the truth of the matter is, in God's economy, there had to be a sacrifice for the sin. We were made to have fellowship with God. We were made to be one with him. But because of our sin condition, we have been separated from him. And there needed to be a sacrifice to pay for that sin. So God set up the system of the lambs. But anything that is of this earth, anything of this earth is tainted and cannot be used by God. And so what we need is a perfect lamb. And there's no perfect lamb except the lamb of God. And nothing on earth could do it, but Jesus Christ did. And that is why God caused his spirit to come upon a, a young virgin woman. And, and Jesus Christ was born without sin. The rest of us have sin clinging to us, but not our Lord. 
There's no sin in him. And that little baby boy grew up to be a man. And that man, that man never sinned once. He just totally, completely lived faithfully before his father. And then the time came when he became not only the high priest, he became the lamb. And every sin I've ever committed, every sin you've ever committed was placed on that one human being. I have tried and tried to wrap my mind around that. And I've got to tell you, after all these decades of trying to do that, I still don't get it. I can barely handle the weight of my own sin. But he took mine, all of it. And he took yours, all of it. And he took the sin that every human being ever was or ever will be. And somehow, he carried it on that cross. I, I just really cannot wrap my mind around that. And so he's hanging there. And somehow, the greatest moment in all of human history happens. Because as he is carrying our sin, as he is atoning for it, as he is shedding his blood, somehow the justice of God means the mercy of God and the grace of God is poured out from that cross and Jesus Christ raises himself up and he goes, it is finished. And at that moment, our sin was paid for and we were atoned for. And the temple curtain that had separated God from man was torn in two from top to bottom. And now ordinary people like us, just plain ordinary broken folks, we get to come into the very presence of God, of Yahweh. We take that so much for granted when we pray. When, when Zach and I prayed up here different times, I don't know about you, but I wasn't afraid. And I wasn't afraid because of what happened 2,000 years ago. Because Jesus Christ provided the way. Now, the Old Testament people, they did not take that for granted. Could you remember how many people got to go into the presence of God in the Old Testament? It was just one man. Girls, we wouldn't even gotten anywhere near the presence of God. And he, and he only got to go once a year, and he had to kill a bull. Now, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I know about bull killing. Basically, bulls are stupid. The only thing stupider than a bull is a sheep. And that is why God calls us sheep all the time. They have to be one of his dumbest animals he ever created. But he had to go kill one of those old bulls. And you go, here, bull, bull, here, bully. And they go, what? And they don't come. And he had to get a bull. And he had to kill the bull. Have you ever thought of what it was like out at that place where they did all of the sacrificing? I mean, it's a slaughterhouse, people. And it's a mess. And he, he does all, and he confesses all of his sin, and he confesses all the sins of Israel, and, and he makes the sacrifice, and now he's got the sacrifice, and he's going to go into the holy place. So he walks through into the holy of holies, not just the holy place. He walks through the holy place, and he gets to the curtain, and on the other side of the curtain is the Shekinah glory of God. And I've been told that these high priests had a rope tied around their ankle in case they died while they were in there because they didn't confess all the sins so they could pull them out. But I can just imagine that man standing there going to go into the presence of God 
And his heart's going, boop, 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 boop. Did I confess all my sin? Did I get the sins of Israel? I really don't want to die. I just see him like maybe sticking a toe in. See if his toe died? Okay. You know, I, I, but there is, we have no fear anymore. Because Jesus Christ was the lamb. He was the high priest. He took care of it all. And he poured out on us grace upon grace upon grace. And because of all of that, we can now come into the presence of God, of Yahweh, of the creator of the universe, of the one who just speaks and stuff happens. That's who we get to go into the presence of. And so what, what do we find when we get there? Well, we find that because he, all of this that he did for us, because he was the high priest, because he was the atonement, because he was the lamb, we will find all that we need. And we can approach not with fear and trembling, but with confidence. And there he's going to pour it out. So I don't know what you need today, my friends, but I know that you can go into his presence and you'll find grace and mercy. Do you need grace to know that you are worth loving? You come into his presence, you know what he's going to tell you? From Isaiah 43, he's going to say, I've called you by name. You're mine. He's going to tell you from Deuteronomy 7, 6, that you're his treasured possession. He's going to tell you from Jeremiah 31, 3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've called you with my loving kindness. He's going to tell you from 2 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with that body. Do you need to overcome feelings of failure? Well, I want to tell you that he's going to tell you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that that we could, his grace is sufficient because his power is perfected in our very weakness. He's going to tell us in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Do you need grace to face a difficult task? You come into his presence and he'll speak to you and he'll say, I am able to make all grace abound so that in all things at all times you'll have all that you need so you can abound in every good work. You need mercy and to rest, find true shalom and rest. In 1 Peter, it says, cast all your cares on me, because I care for you. And then in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Whatever you need, he is going to be there. You need mercy every day. <clears throat> I remember when my husband was dying, every morning I would sit on his bed, and we would read these words because we needed mercy from Lamentations. Yet I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion, and therefore I will wait for him. You need grace and mercy. I know where you can go, and you will find all that you need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so, so much for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I thank you for his willingness to go to the cross. I thank you that he is supreme to angels, 
to Moses, to any other high priest. I thank you that he is who he is, and I thank you that he has paved the way and that he understands and that we can now approach your very throne at this very moment, and here we will find all that we need. We thank you, we praise you, and we glorify you in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.